The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. This is The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome to The Reckoning from sunny Miami. I'm here for the week and had an Uber driver, nice young man, take me from the airport to my my friend's home where I'm visiting the first part of the week. Asked him where he was from because he didn't speak a lick of English, like not a lick. I had to say, hola, senor. I said, hi. You know, he kind of got that. Not a lick of English. So where are you from? Venezuela. How long you been here? Six years. Now, I'm sorry, my Spanish is not great, but I can get by. Six years in a country and you can't even have a basic conversation. And you're a driver that deals with the public all day long. I can't fathom this. Also, this is my second trip to Miami in the last month. I have yet to have a Cuban driver. I've had two Americans and everybody else. It's like six or seven drivers, all Venezuelan. Are they here legally? I don't know. What I do know is the big headline today. Venezuela is getting safer. You know why? Because all the criminals are here in the United States. Venezuela is getting safer as criminals, single men and gangs flee to other countries. Other countries, plural? Yeah, on their way here. Look, Venezuela used to be the jewel of South America. It was the second wealthiest country behind, or third wealthiest behind the United States and Canada. But look at what voting for Maduro 20 years ago did. Go woke, go broke. Venezuela voted for socialism because part of the people. And they ended up literally eating the animals in the zoo because they couldn't afford food. I'm not kidding. Look it up. Venezuela has phenomenal oil wealth. They're a member of the OPEC cartel. Sitco, for those of us in the Northeast, you see a Sitco gas station. That's the Venezuelan state oil company. The big sign that you see over the green monster at Fenway, the big Sitco sign in Boston, yeah, that's Venezuela's oil company. So with all that mineral wealth, how come Venezuela is so poor? It's the socialism, stupid. And what are they doing? They're doing the same thing that Cuba did back in the 1980s with the Mariel boat lift. They've emptied out their asylums. They've emptied out their prisons. They're sending military-age young men here to the United States via other countries. And when they cross into the United States, well, we've all seen the video, waving a huge Venezuelan flag. Wait a second. I thought they were just migrants. I thought they were here for a better life. Why would they be carrying Venezuela's flag if they're coming to the United States? Just how many military-age single men do we have here in the United States from other countries, not just Venezuela. How about China? How many military-aged single men do we have from China? How about the Muslim world? It's not like 
they don't have as a central tenet of their belief system. I refuse to call it a religion. Islam is not a religion. And I can prove it. Our religion doesn't kill you if you decide to leave. It's not a religion. It's a totalitarian, hegemonic political philosophy cloaked in the trappings of religion. Take advantage of our Western tolerance, our Western values that they laugh at. The U.S. Constitution, swearing an oath to that, means nothing to them. They do not feel morally bound by that oath. They want Sharia. Sharia above the Constitution. That's not me saying it. That's over 85% of every Muslim community in America where women get stoned, homosexuals get thrown off buildings. Perhaps the, the stupidest thing I've seen, even, even dumber than the people I saw in the airport today wearing masks, are these marches. Queers for Palestine. Are you serious? God love you. We don't want you thrown off tall buildings. Wake up before it's too late. But Venezuela, great. Come here for a better life. But please, try to learn at least a smattering of English. Show that you care, even if it's only a, a token gesture. I'm Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning. If you missed your favorite TNT show or interview, simply listen back when you want, wherever you want. Just visit episodes on the TNT website. We're also on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, iHeart, and TuneIn. Now there's no reason to miss out on anything on today's News Talk, TNT. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. According to the uber elitist and very, very wealthy CEO of Kellogg's, people struggling to afford groceries might just want to consider eating cereal for dinner. A suggestion that didn't go over too well on social media. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Timothy. <clears throat> I can't imagine why anyone might think this sounds tone deaf or anything. Uh, who was this that said right. this? Oh, the CEO of a huge, huge cereal company. Uh, <laughs> the guy makes a lot of money. Um, his name, uh, before we go any further, is Gary Pilnick. Um, and uh, in response to the, the news around us, we're all aware of this, except Biden, of course, because Bidenomics, man. Uh, Americans are indeed spending more money on food than they have in 30 years. And according to Gary Pilnick, the CEO of Kellogg's, uh, there's a solution. Eat cereal for dinner. It was a suggestion that Pilnick made during a TV interview last week. Uh, and it's gone kind of viral, uh, got a lot of attention, dividing the Internet. Uh, here's, here's the problem. Um, Pilnick earns a base salary of $1 million. That's according to a 2023 SEC filing. Therefore, he's probably not choosing to be eating, uh, cereal for dinner. Um, so 
Let's just have that be uh, said right out of the gate here. Uh, he made some comments, uh, made the case for, quote-unquote, quite affordable cereal during an appearance on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. I know you all never miss that show, right? Uh, just kidding. Uh, in general, he said, uh, quote, the cereal category is a place that a lot of folks might come to because the price of a bowl of cereal with milk and with fruit is less than a dollar. So you can imagine why a consumer under pressure might find that to be a good place to go, end quote. When the anchor of the program, Carl Quintanilla, asked if the suggestion of cereal for dinner has the, quote, potential to land the wrong way, end quote, <laughs> Pilnick said, quote, we don't think so. In fact, it's landing really well right now, end quote. He said Kellogg's data shows cereal is not only the number one choice for breakfast at home, but 25% of cereal consumption is outside of breakfast time, such as dinner or a snack. Quote, cereal for dinner is something that is probably more on trend now, and we would expect to continue as that consumer is under pressure, end quote. Under pressure. Uh, just kidding. Anchor Courtney Regan admitted that as a busy mother, she has eaten cereal for dinner, but Pilnick's comments got a mixed reaction online. Some questioned if the CEO himself would feed his family cereal for dinner, while others said they have always done it and don't see why it's problematic. Some raised concerns about the nutrition of cereal and questioned if it really is indeed affordable. While the price of cereals declined, 0.3% in 2023, it had increased in previous years, 6% for breakfast cereals in 2021, and up 13% for the same in 2022. That was according to the Consumer Price Index from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Take that with a grain of salt or a cup of milk. Uh, but it's not just cereal that saw a price hike during recent inflation. According to data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, in 2023, the price of fats and oils rose the fastest at 9%. In 2023, sugar and sweets bumped up 8.7%, and cereals and bakery products increased 8.4%. Some food categories grew more slowly than historic averages, including beef, eggs, fruits, and vegetables, and pork was the only category to decline, interestingly enough. That was down by 1.2%. In 2022, U.S. consumers spent more than 11% of their disposable income on eating, whether at home or at a restaurant. That, according to the latest data from the FDA. And by the end of 2023, consumers were paying nearly 20% more for the same amount of groceries as they were in 2021, according to the latest index data. Inflation may be slowing, but food prices continue to increase. Groceries are increasing 1.2% annually, and restaurant prices increasing 5.1% annually, according to the index. Boston College economics professor Peter Ireland told CBS Boston that food and energy prices have been rising at rapid rates, but wages have not kept up. He said, quote, we had forgotten about just how costly and painful inflation is, especially for our most vulnerable people on fixed incomes. If food and energy prices are rising more rapidly than incomes, it leaves less to spend on other things, end quote. Uh, but, Timothy, apparently there's still some left to spare to fill that cereal bowl for dinner. Uh, what do you think about this story? Well, I 
attribute much of my six foot five inch frame to having dozens and dozens and scores of boxes of cereal over my life. Cereal was one of my my go-to snacks when I was a growing teen. Yes, I grew six inches in three months over one summer. I used to eat a full meal, full dinner, and then I'd have two or three bowls of cereal for dessert. So cereal's great. I love cereal. But as a main source of nutrition for a family, no. And let them eat cornflakes? No. We don't need any Marie Antoinette economics here in the United States. This is beyond tone death. This is cavalier and it's callous. People are hurting. Everybody knows that inflation isn't down because inflation is cumulative. And for him to say this is just, it's beyond appalling. Oh, yeah. He's not just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He's just flat out cuckoo, I think, unfortunately. Well, that's General Mills, but uh, yeah. Yeah. See, I'm a serial aficionado. That's right. They make um they make actually one of my favorites is uh Fruit Loops, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that is correct, sir. I was always more of a post guy myself, but Kellogg's and G and General Mills would would certainly do in a pinch. I had a short list in front of me, the big ones. Here it is cornflakes, corn pops, rice krispies, and fruit loops. So that's that's Kellogg's. So yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think it's a good suggestion. I think it was probably something he said in passing. But at the end of the day, he's a CEO. I mean, this is like that. <laughs> this reminded me of the pandemic thing when you had uh, the, the mainstream media coming on telling everyone that they should probably get vaccinations. And then it would cut to the commercial and it would say, brought to you by Pfizer. I'm like, you have the CEO of a cereal company right. telling Americans they should eat cereal. So this should even be a, a, a story technically. But people pick up on it because, as you mentioned, people are hurting. So to have these tone deaf jerks like this who make as much money as they do, who are clearly not eating cereal for dinner, I, I, proof to me that he is because I don't believe it. To say these kind of things, it's, people are going to pick up on it and we have social media and they're going to talk about it. Um, but, hey, you know, maybe Biden, hopefully he gets the news real soon because uh, maybe he should be eating uh, bowls of cereal instead of munching on ice cream cones. Yeah, right. And uh, I'll tell you what else uh, the CEO of Kellogg's is not eating. He's not eating incredible burgers and he's not eating Franken meat. I guarantee you he's eating USDA prime beef. Make no mistake. I hope not, because then we're going to have to deal with climate change, Timothy. And wow, I don't want to. I'm scared of climate change. Come on, Adam. You know the rule. It's rules for we, but not for them. Yeah, it's um, it, as you were trying to, to do the let them eat cake thing. In this case, it would be let them eat Rice Krispie Squares, Timothy. Oh, you know, now you're talking. I, I'm mad. I might not be cocoa for Cocoa Puffs, but I am keen for some Rice Krispie Squares. Thanks for a great story, Adam. You're listening to today's News Talk, TNT. TNT's Steve Malzberg. I've said that she is a selfish witch and that she's abusing her elderly husband so she could remain first lady. I've been saying that for a long time, that she ought to be ashamed of herself, but she's not. She played second fiddle to Michelle Obama for eight friggin' years. Michelle Obama hated the place, could not wait to leave the White House Mm -hmm. so she could go make millions writing books and selling non-existent shows on Netflix, Yes, which is fine. And that's what you do post-presidency. Yeah. 
Jill Biden could not wait to live in the White House, and now she does not want to leave? Yeah. I could not agree with her more. I've been saying this over and over and over again. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Diane Weber-Biederman is the mother of three and grandmother of nine, an author, chaplain, journalist, blogger, and speaker who's passionate about religion, ethics, politics, and mental health. Her motto is, my pen is my sword. Diane has been published in many media outlets, including Huffington Post Canada, and Canada Free Press, Israel National News, and others. You can find her at her website, dianebiederman.com. That's D-I-A-N-E-B-E-D-E-E-R-M-A-N.com. I'd like to welcome back to The Reckoning, Diane Biederman. Hi, Timothy. It's good to be back. Diane, we first talked to you last year about the Canadian trucker protest in Ottawa. That is over. But it's having echoes around the globe, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, it's it's really funny because we have a prime minister who doesn't like us. And uh, when the truckers went across Canada, after about a year and a half of COVID, where uh, they were in their trucks, there were no vaccines mm-hmm. at that time, and they were delivering goods to everyone. Of course, our prime minister decided they needed to have a vaccine to continue the work and they said no because we've been doing it this long. So our prime minister questioned whether we should tolerate them and it turns out that the vast majority of Canadians have decided to tolerate our truckers. And I used to get so excited because it's been difficult to be a proud Canadian under Justin Trudeau. And I would see around the world that people all over the world were flying the Canadian flag. And that was really heartwarming because they stood with the people who actually make it possible for you to have food on the table. So that was really great. Absolutely. And here in the United States, truckers are talking about not delivering food to New York City for three years. I'm so excited. Three three weeks would be bad. Three days would be bad, much less three weeks or even three months, but three years that would it, I, New York City would eat itself alive. I, I read about it I, when I wrote the article. I was so excited because I wanted to stand with the truckers, but I haven't seen whether or not they actually did uh, boycott New York. Uh, I think although I have uh, a child and grandchildren living in New York, I'd like to see people BDS New York City for what it is today. Because today it's a a city that I find frightening. Uh, Police being attacked on the street by uh, immigrants, illegal aliens, um, stores being destroyed. And also now what we're watching with Muslims up and down the streets of New York screaming for the end of Israel, 
which is considered free speech. But if you screamed for the end of the gay world, uh, you would be charged. So I think New York needs to learn with a lesson. hate crime, hate crime. Yeah, but not yeah, now. you'd be charged yeah. with a hate crime. Yeah. yeah. Look. Full disclosure, I love New York City. I lived there twice. It's the best place I ever lived. Yeah. I wanted to retire to New York. But as far as I'm concerned, let the truckers strike, burn it all down. This pandering yeah. to Islam is beyond me. And the, the hatred for Israel, Diane, I've never seen anything quite like it in my entire life. I never thought right. I would see anti-Semitism in the United States like Germany saw in the 1930s. I'd like to suggest that it's far worse because uh, if I remember correctly, I think there were 40 million German citizens. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So, I mean, if all of them hated the Jews and loved Hitler, it's 40 million. There are 2 billion Muslims. That's billion with a B. That's right. Um, you don't need a large group of them to decide to uh, protest and stop everything. Uh, the streets of New York, the synagogues have been infiltrated and attacked. Here in Toronto, in the in a Jewish neighborhood, Muslims set up camp on a, a highway bypass, which was connected to sides of the Jewish mm -hmm. community. Uh, they blocked the road. They prayed on the road. They actually prayed in our downtown area, in the middle of the business district. It seems if you're a Muslim, you were allowed to stand in the middle of the street, get down on your knees and pray, and that's okay. Um, they have attacked They do the same synagogues. thing in London. Yes. I, I just saw um, the Big Ben, what they did there. Um, there's a little bit of irony in there, because when Britain got involved in the Middle East following World War One, and then leading up to World War Two and after, the British were pandering to the Jews and the Arabs, but they really preferred the Arabs. Um, and so they did what they could to make life difficult for the uh, rebirth of the Jewish state. <laughs> Excuse me. And now they have Muslims in their country preventing them from living. It's, it's sort of like karma. It really is. And I just saw a video earlier today. Dublin is completely gone. You know, they've caved to Islam as well. The West is committing cultural suicide. And here's the thing. I'm not religiously intolerant, but Islam is not a religion. It's a totalitarian, hegemonic political philosophy cloaked in the trappings of religion to take advantage of our Western sensibility, our Western tolerance and our Western values. Meanwhile, they laugh at us and just plan to take us over. They believe truly that everywhere they step their foot belongs to Islam, and it's just not so, and it's not going to be so. And I, I can't understand. Ireland just passed a law last year that for an American citizen, if there's a couple that want to retire to Ireland, they have to each show 100,000 euros or each show 50,000 euros. They have to show a 100,000 euro passive income. They're not working, but that's what their pension, their wow. their wow. annuity payouts, et cetera, has to total yeah. 100,000 euros per year to show that they're not going to be a burden on the Irish state. Fine, right. fair enough, wonderful. However, at the same time, they're not only flying Muslims in by the plane load 
but they're building them mosques. They're giving them mm -hmm. free housing. They're giving them free food. They're giving them free education. They're giving them free health care. Wait a second. I thought they didn't want people that were going to be a burden on the social services network. What's going uh, on in Ireland? Yeah. Uh uh-huh. Well, Ireland was the one country that uh, stood with the Nazis during World War II. So I've always said that Islam is Nazism 2.0. So they're just carrying on. Um, I, I don't know if your listeners know, I wrote a book called The Islamophobia Industry, The Insidious Infiltration of Islam into the West. And the reason I'm showing this now is I'd like to read to you what the Islamic Circle of North America, which is a, a major Muslim organization says about Islam, the political system of Islam is totally incompatible with Western democracy. I just want to read that again. The political system of Islam is totally incompatible with Western democracy. The concept of government party and the opposition is alien to Islam. All belong to one Ummah with only one goal and pursue the same aims and objects of Islamic guidelines. So in our tolerant Western world, we are tolerating the intolerable and we do it because we like to appease and appeasement always, always, always breeds contempt. Well, it absolutely does. And they have nothing but contempt for you. You can see it when you yeah. pass them on the street. Yeah. And it's, it's troubling because the left, God love them. They pander so much and they don't realize that the Muslims don't see them as equals. They're just the last ones that will be beheaded. I think there are people who are trying to reform Islam and I, I know them. And there I'm are. And I want to get to that after the news headlines. You're listening okay. to today's news talk where we are lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT. Now, I've got, I've got good news and, and bad news. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Spanish investigators have developed a new theory regarding the murder of Russian defector pilot Maxim Kuzminov, who was found dead in Villahoyosa, Spain, on February 13th, with his body showing signs of being shot and run over. The judge in the case against former President Donald Trump has ordered Nathan Wade's former lawyer, Terrence Bradley, to testify again to provide more details on the alleged improper relationship between Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. So, Diana, I want to be very clear. When I say Muslims, when I say Islam, I'm not talking about all of them. As you said, there are two billion Muslims in the world. They're not all bad, of course. But even if only 10% were bad, Diane, that's, right. that's yes. 200 million potential terrorists. That's right. Well, um, or, or um, people who don't like us. And I don't know how, how we got here, but that you would tolerate people who tell you up front that we don't agree with anything you believe in. And then we say, well, come on in. Right. 
I, I, I can't get my head around that. There are 50 But not Muslim only come on in, we finance, not only come on in, come on in and we'll pay for all your lifestyle. That's right. Well, also over the generations, universities, the Middle East studies courses have been totally taken over or run by Qatar and Saudi Arabia. There, it's all their value system. It's mostly Sunni. Um, and they are teaching people to hate the West, but most specifically the Jewish people. And I would suggest it's because Western culture and particularly America is rooted in the Jewish ethic in the Hebrew Bible. John Adams went on and on about his love of the Hebrew Bible and the Jewish people because he loved the ethic and he thought America would be the new Zion. Um, and so America is rooted in that ethic. Well, if you get rid of the Jews, then when people years from now say, well, where did that ethic come from? I don't know. There's nobody here that, that brought it in. And as they always say, first they go for the Saturday people and then the Sunday people. What I find really upsetting in the news is that you never hear about the Christians being murdered, is particularly in Africa. It's vicious and it's violent and we don't talk about it. And I don't know why. The Pope doesn't talk about it. I, and I find that really, really disturbing. Well, the, Islam teaches that there yeah. is only one don't religion. Don't get me started on this Pope. Oh, okay. Well, you and I together. Okay. He, yeah. Um, I I find that today, with everything going on in the world, that the world is and the media, left wing ideologues, bought and paid for by Soros and the WEF. Their only concern is Jews. And there are only 15 million of us in one Jewish country, a hundred something Christian countries. And the, it's as if, you know, if we just got rid of Israel, the world would be a better place. Right. And I have, to, I have to tell you, Timothy, when I was 16, which was the 1967 war, the Toronto Star, one of the worst, most Jew-hating papers in, in North America, wrote some kind of article. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember in those days you wrote on a piece of paper and you folded it up, put it in an envelope and mailed it. And I sent a note to the letter to the editor in 1967. I read your article and it seems to me you're trying to tell us the world would be a better place without Jews. 1967, nothing's changed. It really hasn't. And I think that as evil, as the phrase from the river to the sea is, mm -hmm. the good news is that the same idiots that think that socialism is about being social and social media and being it, sociable, it, yes. think that from the river to the sea means they don't know. Well, they don't know. What about, no. what about all the Jews? Well, they have to leave, they have to go home. Oh, yeah. home, where's home? Mm -hmm. The Bible Poland. promised them, the Bible promised them not, not only Israel. You know, here's the thing, Diane, I always say, and I do it to ruffle feathers. Yeah. How about, okay, no more, no more Israel. Let's, uh, let's okay. all agree. We're not going to do the 67 borders. How about we go back to the biblical borders, That's which right. are from the Euphrates to the Nile. How about That's forget right. river to the sea? How about That's river right. to the river? Let's do that right. instead. That's right. But I'd also like to point out, and this is very upsetting for me at my age watching this, that the number of people have no clue what they're talking about when they stand with from the river to the sea. 
are right. so quick to do it and to stand with Islam against um, Israel. And yet a lot of these people are Christian. You must have gone to church at some point, read the Bible, and you know that the first real people they there, know? the first nation, were the Jewish people. They were there. Islam came along yeah. 2,300 years after Judaism. And 600 years after Christianity. That's right. I can't think these people are actual practicing Christians, though. They might call themselves Christians, Diane, but these aren't any Christians that I've ever known. No, they, but, but it's a, the, the group is getting larger around the world who have no understanding of the origin of freedom, because well, oh, it didn't come from Islam. Um, right. And they have no ability to think. Critical thinking has been killed. Um, and it's been going on, like, I really came late into seeing it. It's been going on for a long time, at least from the 60s. When I look back now, the 60s were the beginning of the real attack on Western culture um, and order and respect. I mean, what happened to respect? There isn't any. Um, well, even self-respect. These people don't even respect uh, themselves. You see it in yeah. their slovenly dress, their slovenly habits of speech and, and habits of thought. While you were sending letters to the editor to the Toronto Star at my college, they were doing a Western civilization required course, and they, they thought that was a tremendous victory to do away with Western civilization. And of course, that was what we're seeing today is the fruit of the seeds that were planted in the 60s. That's right. And it's just uh, basically it's Marxism on the march. I, I agree. Um, and in order for them to tru truly destroy Western culture, you also have to destroy the family because the family is the smallest yeah. unit of authority in a society. So when you destroy the family and then you work your way up through your local community and then the larger neighborhood, you fall apart and well, here's government to come in and take care of you, but you don't see it coming. It's like that, that lobster frog thing where, you know, you put it into a little cool water and then you slowly warm it up. And by the time mm -hmm. they realize that death is on the way, it's too late, they're dead. And it's very worrisome. Um, I know generations have been worried. I mean, my mom, bless her, uh, passed away in 2008. Uh, she was close to, she was 90. Um, and maybe a year or two before she and I were talking and she said to me, you know, I'm glad I'm not gonna be around to see what's coming. And I'm in my seventies and I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know how much more I want to see. And I've got grandchildren who are in their 20s. And it's like, what's happening to them? When Who's going to be the generation to wake up from woke? Well, that's a beautiful expression. I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to use that. Okay. It's um, unfortunately, Diane, I think we're in for a lot more uh, pain before things get any better but when they get better they're going to get better for good uh, well from your lips to god's ear being the fuse for freedom here on today's news talk tnt de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective the weather across the united states has turned exactly opposite what i thought it would turn it's become very very warm now the reason this is happening is because the water around australia 
has warmed dramatically and unpredictably warmed dramatically. And this creates a different phase of the Madden-Julian oscillation than what I anticipated happening before the winter. You see, the computer models, and we have to use them to look at sea surface temperatures, weren't predicting anything like this. This sudden warming happened in January, but not be from man-made sources. It had to be something natural going on that we don't know about. In any case, people are blaming climate change. I have no problem with that. The climate is changing. It's been changing. It will always change. But when people start saying you are a denier, all they are doing is using ad hominem attacks to try to equate you with the miserable people that denied what happened in the Holocaust. And that should raise red flags as to what these people are all about. Climate change is real. It is 99.9% .9 natural, and the impact of man has very little to do with it. And there is no denying that. This is T. NT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. There are 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. So, Diane, I, one of the things that I have hope for the future is getting back to the truckers. Your Canadian courts have it's clipped Prime Minister Castro's wings. Not once, not twice, but I believe three times. Yes, uh, they're they're trying. I um, I have to tell you that when people started, you know, when Trudeau started talking about the Nazis at the trucker thing, it's like my head was spinning. It just turns out that I happen to know the young man that was running the trucker convoy. And he's a lovely Jewish man. And may I say, he would not entertain Nazis at any event that he would run. So I've noticed that whenever people are upset, you're a Nazi or, or, or how they call Donald Trump, Hitler. Now, may I say, Timothy, I wish Hitler had been just like Donald Trump, because then none, none of this would have happened. But yes, our, our prime minister is being told that um, the emergency act that he called, he had no business doing it. They went after the bank accounts of people. I still they're, still think they're discussing that, about going after bank um, the bank accounts of people. Um, just to, to connect to that, Joe Biden has gone after the bank accounts of Jews living in Judea, Samaria. So I have trouble with the ability for so-called uh, leaders of the West democracies shutting down people's uh, bank accounts because you don't like what they do. Um, so, so Trudeau is in trouble, but we don't have impeachment in Canada. We have no way of removing this man except through an election. Well, and he has to call it. Yeah, that's the thing. In Canada, he has to call the election and he knows he's going to get housed. And it's um, it's encouraging 
because you have a great uh, conservative party leader, yeah. Pierre yeah. Polev. Right. And we have great hopes. We have very fond memories of Brian Mulroney back in the 1980s. Everyone constantly refers to the troika of President Ronald Reagan and United Kingdom Prime Minister yeah. Margaret Thatcher and, of course, right. Pope St. John Paul II. Uh, but I always add in Brian Mulroney there because he was a stalwart uh, in the fight against communism. And right. I, I have great hopes for Pierre and, and for your country. I love Canada and I want the best for it. I, our, our previous prime minister, Stephen Harper, was also a wonderful yes, man. Yes, he was. And, and I often wonder if Harper and Trump had been in power together, the world would be such a different, far more beautiful place than it is today. It's really yeah, I don't know. You know, I have to say to myself, well, God has a plan. He just hasn't told me what it is. But I'd like to believe that um, people of faith, people of uh, who have a strong ethical connection to goodness will somehow manage to rise up and take back the West. But uh, we're watching Britain to me is is almost done. I, I Britain is in real trouble. Australia. Oh, I don't think it's almost done. I think Britain yeah. is over. Every every major city in the United Kingdom has a Muslim as a mayor, as, as we discussed earlier. Yeah. They're openly turning it in the streets into a mosque. Yeah. And it's not just on Fridays. It's They no. are aggressive and they are uh, incredibly intolerant. But that's what they're taught by their God. You see, it's a different... Sure. You know, our, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the women um, was a God of justice and mercy, charity and loving kindness. But when Allah speaks, a lot of it has to do with revenge, which the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the ladies said, revenge belongs to me, to God, not to right. you. But Allah teaches the people, especially young children, that revenge is good, that you must take your vengeance out on someone and hurts you. And it's a God that calls for the death of a group of people, not for anything they've done, but because we exist. And it's very difficult to unteach that. It takes generations to unteach hate. Um, I've spoken about Richard Dawkins and cultural memes several times. But he spoke about a cultural meme where generation after generation, you're taught something and that it almost becomes part of your nature, the way you pass down the color of your eye. So if you're taught hate for five, six, seven generations, it's very easy to bring on that hate by just a little scratch, you know, and now you hate. To undo that takes generations. So if we allow people into the West, who preach hate in the name of their God, It's and then at the same time we teach tolerance, inclusion, and accommodation, you're, you're setting yourself up for destruction. You really are, and I'm glad you distinguish between Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the ladies, our God, yeah. and Allah. Allah is a desert moon God. Allah is a pagan God. That was worshipped, by the way, at the Kaaba before Muhammad was even born. So the Kaaba is not a Muslim holy site. 
fact, there isn't a single holy site in Islam, this includes Dome of the Rock, that isn't based, built atop a pagan, Jewish, or Christian holy site. Dome of the Rock? Oh, that's the, that's the last portion of earth that Muhammad's horse's hoof hit as it carried him to heaven. No, that is the rock upon which Abram was going to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, which prefigured, of course, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ by, mm -hmm. by God. And it's, it's amazing to me that people swallow the lie that Allah is Yahweh when all the evidence points to the opposite. In fact, I argue that it's not God and it's not God's angels that are whispering in their ears. It's uh, something far more sinister. Um, I tend to uh, let the people of the religion tell me about their God. Um, yeah. and, and Muslims believe in Allah. Um, but my point to that is it's a change from when uh, uh, Elohim Adonai Yahweh came into the came to the Jewish people. Well, the Jewish people accepted. Apparently, God visited a few other groups that they said not interested. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this was a God that came to talk about love and peace and uh, the dignity of the human being. Um, and surrounding the Jewish people at the time, you had nations of uh, people who believed in many gods uh, and they weren't pleasant because one right. of the gods was Moloch and, and Moloch taught the importance of sacrificing children into the fire for God. So then right. along comes Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh, who says, when he, you know, he did the test with Abraham and his point was, you must never, ever sacrifice your child to any God. A God does not want children. And then Allah came, Islam came, and it's almost as if it went backward a little bit because in, sadly, and I really find this really sad, and I don't know how mothers do it, to raise a child, to want to put on a suicide vest, to kill himself, to kill the enemy, boggles my mind that you have a God that says, yes, you kill yourself to kill the enemy. It's very hard to, to make peace with someone who's prepared to sacrifice their own children and blow them up in a bus. Yeah, I'm pretty sanguine about gore. I worked in a hospital emergency room. I've seen just about everything. But two videos on the internet were gut punches. And I, I mean, to the point where you felt it physically, you felt as though you were physically punched in the stomach and just nauseated and took your breath away. The first was when the state treasurer for Pennsylvania called a press conference. He was under investigation for some financial misdeeds. And in the middle of the press conference, he pulled out a gun, put it in his mouth and pulled the trigger. I mean, you just saw it live. And yeah. it was, it was, it was horrifying. Yeah. The second video was of a beautiful young boy, seven or eight years old, smiling with his friends, his friends all around, smiling and congratulating him and hugging him. And the little boy had a suicide vest on. Yeah. And then he went off from the other boys. 
and he detonated. He blew himself up mm -hmm. for no reason. It was training, training. Right. It was training That's the other training boys. Yeah, yeah, it was training the other boys that mm -hmm. were there congratulating him that mm -hmm. this is this is noble. This is this is right. something to which they should aspire. And I, right. you know, the, the senselessness of that little boy's death. It was how, how do you how do you peacefully coexist with the people that teach things like that to their children? Golda Meir put it best. Yeah. Yes. There will not be peace in the Middle East until the Muslims start loving their children more than they hate the Jews. I, I know, and I, I find this extraordinarily sad and, and extremely disturbing that um, we don't speak up enough about that, that no child should ever be sacrificed in war. Right. Yeah. You know, it's what a lot enough children die in war be, because it's war, but to actually raise children, and that's Richard Dawkins' cultural meme, generation yeah. after generation. So mothers think this is the you know the next best thing to slice white bread is teach my child. Well, to because they get money the for it. Yeah, they get money and praise in their community. Yes. They're yes. treated. They're treated as heroes in their community. That's right. And that's, that's right. you know it, everything is upside down and backwards, but. We always go down dark and twisty places here on The Reckoning, but I always want to leave people with hope, Diane. And, and okay. here's a light, here's a ray of hope. I saw okay. a wonderful video this weekend. It was a man in a kefia. Yes. And he was saying how the only place where Muslims in the Middle East have civil rights, the only place where they have jobs where they can have professions where they can and, and he goes on and on and on about all the rights that they have and all the benefits of living in society they have he said is in israel that's right so why why would muslims hate israel it's the only place we can go to have a good life and it was like right. good on him and i know diane i know that there are, are hundreds of millions of muslims around the world that's that right. feel as the way that he does but again, that's right. Even if only ten percent have ill intention, yeah. that's still two hundred million people. But we have to encourage the former and dissuade the latter from their destructive right. path well, for humanity. In, in Israel, there are one one and a half million Arabs who live there, yeah. and they don't want to move. They love it there. That's right. the, that's freedom. Well, look, there's no such thing as a Palestinian. We all know that these they were Transjordan. Yeah nationals prior to 67 and then jordan abandoned them they jordan right. wouldn't even let them back into their own country they said no you stay there we're going to use you for as a political football for generations uh well, it's you know really they didn't care about these people's lives and the idea that israel is an occupying force just boggles my mind yeah and it's amazing but look how people choose to believe it because they're yeah. being taught jew hatred Timothy, can I tell your your viewers about another book I wrote that might help? Please. Um, it's called The Serpent and the Red Thread, The Definitive Biography of Evil. It's very small, but it's 3,000-year history of Jew hatred and how we got to where we are today. Um, and I'm very proud to say that the book has been included at the Holocaust Memorial Museum Library in Washington, D.C., and the Yad Vashem Holocaust Memorial Library in Jerusalem. And anyone, I think, over the age of 13 could read it. Um, it's, it's sad in a lot of places, 
but it would teach them an understanding of what freedom is, how to how to be courageous, um, and how why hatred is so so terrible, and how hatred spins very quickly, and people bend the knee to a false god very quickly, and you have to be aware of what you're doing and only bend the knee to God. That's all. Well, how can people get that book? Because that's something I'll, I'll tell you, instead of all of the pornographic, uh, homosexual theme books that are in school libraries, I think that is a book that should be in every school library. And if Thank there's you. a it's philanthropist on- out there that would like to purchase books for school libraries, uh, please do so. Um, it's available on Amazon. Um, my publisher is um, uh, has has wound down his business, so you would have to get it through Amazon. Um, but I have to say, of all the books and blogs I've written, um, this one I'm I'm the most proud because it's it's a book that's told like a story, and there are no mm-hmm. end notes or footnotes. It's and it's from the perspective of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Paul. And Jesus, oh, that's they wonderful. take us through those 3,000 years of history. That's wonderful. I did a Bible study recently, and it's the story of salvation from Genesis through to the New Testament. And right. as you know, the Bible isn't a book. It's a library of books, and only right. certain of the books tell the narrative thread of salvation. The other... The other books, such as Psalms and Proverbs and, and the Prophets and whatnot, uh, provide additional material. But the, the narrative thread from Genesis through to Exodus and Deuteronomy and uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, Chronicles, etc., is it's a wonderful story. And I think if more people, Diane, were aware of the narrative thread of salvation that God has laid out for us. It's his plan. And if more people realized what wonderful plans he had for us, I I think maybe this would be a better world and and people would have a little more hope. Yes, I think uh, I, I, some days I find hope is far down the road, Um, but then you'll read something that'll make you happy that, you know, a parent stood up for their child Right. Or someone stood up against an aggressor, you know, a good bystander did something kind. Um, so th- there is hope, uh, but hope doesn't happen by itself. It takes work from people. And we need more people to have a spine, find your spine, mothers and fathers, find your courage, and don't let anyone bully you into submission. Absolutely. And as a friend of mine is given to say, hope never had a plan. So don't just hope. You have to hope, but make a plan to make the world a better place. Diane Biederman, can't thank you enough for coming back. I always love talking with you. You can find out more at dianebiederman.com and check out her books on Amazon. That's it for tonight's Reckoning on today's News Talk TNT. Stay tuned for the Havorier Moritz Show. Until next time, God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight.